Welcome back to another episode of City of Desert. I'm Father David Abernathy, and we're continuing our uh, weekly reading of the Philoclea, the writings of the Desert Fathers. And in particular, we're reading from the volume called Writings on the Prayer of the Heart. And we've been considering over these past uh, 26, 27 weeks, the text of Hezekiah's of Jerusalem on sobriety and prayer. And today we're picking up on page 301, if you're following in the text, and paragraph 112. And it's here that Hezekiah continues to speak about uh, purity of heart, and in particular, why it is uh, a higher and greater thing than the law in regards to our grow, growing in holiness and sharing in the life of God, that it brings us to a state of union and communion with God, where we begin to see Him, contemplate Him. So it has, uh, it takes us to a place where the law could never take us. And so this is where we're picking up today. He begins by saying, the Old Testament is the image of external achievements of body and senses, but the Holy Gospels, which are the New Testament, are the image of attention or purity of heart. The Old Testament did not lead to perfection, did not satisfy the inner man in his work of pleasing God, nor did it give him a guarantee, as the Apostle says. The law made nothing perfect. It only barred gross sins. To cut off wicked thoughts and desires from the heart for the sake of preserving its purity, which is the commandments of the gospel, is higher for example, than being forbidden to tear out your neighbor's eye or tooth. You should understand the same about bodily righteousness and bodily labors, about fasting, I mean, and abstinence, about sleeping on bare earth, standing, vigils, and other works usually undertaken to subdue the body and to quiet, and quiet the sinful movements of the passionate parts of the body. So purity of heart this attention or sobriety that uh, Hezekiah speaks of, that is also strengthened through unceasing prayer, in particular the prayer of, of Jesus or the Jesus prayer, that uh, this offers us something far greater than all ascetic works and disciplines as well as being faithful to the law perfectly. That what we are seeking and the ultimate goal of this purity of heart is theoria, or contemplation, and uh, more than that, deification, a kind of union with God by virtue of grace. And so Hezekiah is telling us here that this is the pearl of great price for us, that to, to seek this in the spiritual life is to seek the greatest of all things. It continues by saying that Naturally, all this is all good, as is said of the Old Testament, that is, the law is good, because it serves to educate our outer man and to protect him from passionate deeds. 
But these labors do not guard us against mental sins or prevent them. In other words, they are powerless to free us from envy, anger, and the like. So the mere external disciplines uh, do not necessarily help us take each thought captive. That there is a psychological, emotional, and spiritual element uh, to the spiritual warfare that we are engaged in. And it is only by this seeking to purify the thoughts, the mind, the heart, uh, and this unceasing prayer that can bring us to our ultimate goal. We might be very disciplined, in other words, in uh, the spiritual life by willfully taking up uh, things such as fasting or vigils. And yet, if our thoughts still lead us uh, into sinful imagination, or fantasy, then we are still going to be lacking the purity of heart that the gospel calls us to. In paragraph 113, he continues, but when purity of heart that is watching and guarding the mind, the image of which is the New Testament, is observed by us as it should be, it cuts off from the heart all passions and all evil. It uproots evil and brings in its place joy, good hope, contrition, mourning, tears, knowledge, immeasurable love for God, and divine zeal of the heart. So the, the, the fruit of purity of heart is far greater than anything that could be found in the Old Testament or in the law, that it allows us to begin to participate now in the very life of God, a holy joy, good hope, knowledge of God, uh, a true humility, and an immeasurable love for God. We begin to share in the divine life of God. Just as a man cannot walk on earth without cleaving the air, so a human heart cannot avoid constant attacks by the demons or being subject to their hidden influence, however strictly he may struggle with the flesh. So he's giving a reason here of why the uh, physical disciplines are inadequate, that we are constantly being bombarded by what is not physical, by what is not tangible to us, but rather by the influence of the demons. And so the kind of attentiveness and sobriety that we need has to be something that is constant and unceasing. And this battle that we're engaged in is unavoidable and it cannot be replaced by any other kind of spiritual discipline. The, the watching of the thoughts is an essential uh, element in the spiritual battle. This practice of purity of heart, Hezekiah tells us, makes one a monk not only in appearance but in deed. In fact, it is essential for one to be considered a monk. And I think this is important for all of us living in the world as well, that we might not live in a monastery and we certainly don't live in the desert, uh, but we are all called to engage in this same kind of warfare and that we face the same attacks in our day-to-day -day life. And so we too are called to seek this purity of heart and to keep this watch over our hearts and to be attentive to the things that we expose ourselves to on a daily basis. He picks up on, uh, in, on paragraph 115 by saying, If you wish not only to appear to be a monk in the Lord, good, meek, and always united with God, 
but to be so in actual deed, strive with all your efforts to cultivate the virtue of attention, which consists in watching and guarding the mind and in establishing a sweet silence of the heart and a blessed state of the soul, free of fantasies, an achievement not to be found in many. And so our goal, uh, living in the world as well, would be to begin to cultivate for ourselves this sweet silence that Hezekiah describes, uh, a kind of internal stillness where we can listen to God speak to us, that we would drive out all fantasies that would be uh, seeking to distract us from him. And so gradually over time, and I've mentioned this before, we are to seek to simplify our lives to such an extent that we would avoid those kinds of distractions that even seem to be benign initially. That if this is the pearl of great price, if this is the goal that we are seeking, then the shape of our life is going to be determined by it. That we are going to seek to establish this sweet silence, to gravitate towards uh, periods of solitude, that we are going to engage in the Jesus prayer as often as we can so that our thoughts are directed towards God. In the final two paragraphs we'll discuss today, paragraph 116 and 117, Hezekiah seeks to define for us with a greater clarity the nature of attention, what it means to really cultivate this in our lives, and then also the great fruit that this quest for attention uh, brings in our lives. And so in 116, he begins by saying, the virtue of attention is called mental love of wisdom. Practice it with great sobriety and zealous warmth, with prayer to Jesus, with humility and constancy, with silence of your physical and mental lips, with abstinence in food and drink, withdrawing from all sin. So a mental love of, of wisdom, that we would seek the, the wisdom of God above all earthly wisdom. And this means to cultivate a deep silence in our lives where we are seeking to listen to God, allowing him to teach us the ways of, of the kingdom. And so we cultivate silence, both physical and silence with our lips, constancy, and abstinence in food and drink. So we humble the mind and the body so that a kind of stillness begins to develop internally as well as externally. And all these begin to foster this, this kind of attention of which he speaks in this paragraph. He says, practice it by following the mental path skillfully with good judgment and with God's help, it will reveal to you things you never expected, will give you knowledge, will enlighten you, make you wise, and will teach you things which formerly your mind could not even receive when you were walking in the obscurity of passions and dark deeds, plunged in the abyss of forgetfulness and confusion of thoughts. So our typical state in the world is one of chaos and confusion. It's only through purity of heart and through fostering attention that we are able to see the things of the kingdom, uh, gain a greater clarity of the, of the knowledge 
of God, things that we would never even begin to, to think about uh, or begin to taste things that we never experienced in the spiritual life, a kind of love of, of chastity, a love of prayer uh, for a large part of humanity. Uh, these things are never experienced because we are so often wrapped in the confusion of our own minds. And finally today, in paragraph 117, he continues to discuss the, the fruit or the harvest of this attention to God. He says, as valleys produce rich harvest of wheat, so this virtue will produce in your heart a rich harvest of all good things, or rather, our Lord Jesus Christ will himself give you this, since without him we can do nothing. In the beginning you will find it a ladder, then a book which you will read, and finally, progressing further and further, will find it a city, the heavenly Jerusalem. And you will actually see with your mental vision the Christ of Israel, the Lord of hosts, together with his consubstantial Father and the Holy Spirit, who is worshipped with them. So gradually, he, as he makes use of the image of the ladder, gradually we will make our way up, as it were, a ladder where our vision of God begins to, to grow and to deepen and our understanding of the ways of the kingdom until at last we are given by God and by his grace a, a vision of the triune God that we are able to come to know and to experience in faith Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this, again, is the, the great goal, the, the pearl of great price that we are seeking through all of these disciplines. Uh, again, they are not sought as ends in themselves, but rather for a greater intimacy with our God. That brings us to the end of this episode. As always, if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to write us, and we'll try to address your questions either via email or here in another episode. Uh, next time we'll be speaking about uh, how demons seek to undermine uh, this quest for attention and purity of heart. That's all for this time, and we'll see you soon.